Welcome back to Bible Time. 1 Thessalonians 5.26, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you for help today. We ask you for anointing and unction and utterance. Help us to take your word seriously. Help us to treat every word of God as the pure word of God. And to not look at it, Lord, as archaic or out of date, but to take it and believe it and obey it, to rightly divide it. Help us to get the context and understanding and help us to be obedient to your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Help us not to be afraid of your word, Lord. To Lord, sometimes the devil makes me afraid of your word, and I read something and it doesn't make sense. And then I start to get all kinds of weird ideas about what it means, and the devil throws those at me to get me out of line with you and to make me afraid of your word. I pray that you'd give us just peace in our hearts and help us to study this text and get it rightly divided, to understand it and to obey it, Lord, the way that you intend for it to be obeyed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here in 1 Thessalonians 5, we carry on with our our scripture study. We've been preaching through 1 Thessalonians verse by verse. Here we're in one of the last three verses in the book of 1 Thessalonians here today. And we're looking at the verse, Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. And we'll call this message, Holy Kiss. What on earth is a holy kiss? What does this mean? Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. How do you do a holy kiss? What exactly is God telling us here in the Bible? Why would God put this in the Bible? How should we obey this? Should we obey it? Do we have to obey this? Was it written just to the Thessalonian church or was it written to us today? All those questions are valid questions and questions you should ask. Hopefully, by God's grace, we'll get some answers to that today as we compare Scripture with Scripture and attempt to rightly divide the word of truth. With the Lord as our helper, we will rightly divide the word of truth. Go to Romans chapter 16. (coughs) Excuse me. Romans chapter 16. Please continue to pray for my cough and for my throat. Pray for the ministry here. Romans 16, 16, here he says, salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. So here to the Thessalonian church, he says, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. To the churches in Rome, he says, salute one another with an holy kiss. Go to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 20. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. So now he's added the church of Corinth. Go to 1 Peter 5 and verse 14. So far, all three of those references came from the Apostle Paul, which also, which it all, he's just the penman. Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ is who spake the Word, breathed by the Holy Ghost into the hearts of the holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Ghost that penned down these words that God perfectly preserved after perfectly inspiring. So this is all the Word of God, but the penman Paul, Paul gave us the first three commandments in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14. We're going to find this, um, a similar commandment. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, it gives me great hope that this is four times in the New Testament because there's really a lot more here than I've been able to dig out in my limited studies for just this one Bible time. Even as I've meditated on this, this verse has kind of pricked me for a long time. And so it's always been something kind of in the back of my heart, in the back of my mind. As I read through the New Testament, it just keeps on popping up this kind of commandment. 
wondering what God meant by this. And there's really quite a lot here, quite a lot more than I have than I've been able to dig out. I, it's like whenever you study the Bible, sometimes it's like you get just a glimmer of something and you see something that you know is precious and something that's good, but as fast as you see it, sometimes it's like it slips out of your grasp and you have to keep on studying and keep on seeking. And then maybe you'll get another glimmer and you know it's there and you keep on digging and you keep on seeking until finally God gives you what you knew was there all along. And I can't tell you I've got it all here. I, I know there's something here. In other words, there's something here that I'm that I'm not seeing enough of that I know there's a bigger picture here than just what, we're, what I'll be able to bring out today. But Lord willing, what I'm able to bring out today with his help will be a foundation for what God will give us later. Perhaps whenever we get there to 1 Peter 5, 14, greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is really a lot here, but I want to observe here that for in three of his epistles, Paul the Apostle commands the church to greet one another with a holy kiss, um, and then in one of Peter's two epistles, he commands the church to greet one another with a kiss of charity. So this is not something that is exclusive to one church. It's not something that's exclusive to one region. This would, the Peter preached to the, to the church that was at Babylon. So here we've got a, a some as far away as Italy and then all the way to Babylon, basically all of the known world at that time, um, all of the known, listen, that thing about all the known world, boy, we don't want to chase a rabbit trail, but I do want to just throw this out to you. We call it the known world. Solomon knew about South America and North America. Okay, Solomon understood that the world was a, a, a sphere, not flat. Okay, Solomon understood this. Solomon had trade with the entire world. And through Solomon, the, the fulfillment of the prophecy that they would be a light to all the world was fulfilled in their end. And then it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ whenever he came. And then he was, was fulfilled further through the 12 apostles and the gospel and the word of God that's passed into all the world. But the word of God, the prophecies of the Messiah had been disseminated throughout the world. And by the way, there's telltale evidence of this because there are Bible truths laced throughout different customs and different historical things that different cultures talk about all around the world. And the influence of the Word of God has impacted this world from Abraham on. What God does, God does big. Now, it looks small to us, but it, it's big to God and it's big to God's work. And the people may be small players, but God is a big God. And what God does, God does big. So when we talk about all the known world, that's really, um, what would you say there, misnomer? It's a, it's a mistake to say all the known world. Really, it was through the influences of the Bible-denying, God-hating, Gnostic, Catholic Church people that raised up in the 300s, particularly through the inf in, um, influence of Constantine, and squelched the Bible, and over the next 900 years, plunged the world into a continuing degradation of darkness and superstition that people started thinking that the world was flat and that there was um, it was a limited world and all this kind of stuff. North America was really just lost to the world during the Dark Ages. Before that, it was known to be there. Now, moving on. We chased that rabbit. Hopefully, we at least got a good shot at it. Let's move on. 
<clears throat> he says here, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. So here, th- this has been commanded for more than one church in more than one place in more than one region. This is a common thing that's um, commanded over and over and over again throughout the Bible four different times directly. Now, um, go to John chapter 13 and verse 14. I want you to see something here. This is a little different topic, but it will relate. And you'll see how these things tie together, Lord willing. Lord, help me today to preach right. John chapter 13 and verse 14 in its context. Here, Jesus is going to be washing the feet of the disciples. And as he washes the feet of the disciples, he says, If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. Now, in some denominations, foot washing is a thing that is um, explicitly required to maintain fellowship with that denomination. And you've got to go in and be part of those foot washing um, ceremonies. It's interesting that the Holy Kiss, I haven't found a denomination in America that I know of that requires the Holy Kiss as part of their fellowship. I have heard that some of the brethren churches um, do still um, exercise a Holy Kiss. So are they the only ones that are right and is everyone else wrong? Well, in the literal, straightforward understanding of the text without worrying about context or or rightly dividing the word of truth, you would have to kiss all the brethren if you take that literally. And I want you to understand that it says greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. It also tells us that in Christ there is neither male nor female. So if you want to be just a raw literalist that doesn't literally take the literal word of God to literally be spiritual ever, then you're going to have to go kiss everybody in the church building. Everybody, man, woman, child. And that doesn't line up with all of scripture, which means that to rightly divide this, we're going to have to find out what God does mean and what God does say, because the Bible also says it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. It is not appropriate for a man to go up and kiss another man's wife in church. You ought to, somebody ought to say amen right there. That should be pretty basic, and we should understand that. And that's this is why I'm saying the devil will take verses like this and twist them in knots, and then you'll have all kinds of weird stuff coming out of it. This verse has been used, doubtless, by many cults to gain access to other men's wives, but that is not the intention here in the Word of God. In John 13, 14, he says, If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. But the next verse says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now we know in Philippians that the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but was made in the likeness of men. And it says, took on the form of a servant. And it says that we ought to also do as Christ did. And that lines up with this foot washing and it lines up with the greeting one another with a holy kiss. It lines up here across the Bible that God wants us to be servant hearted, that God wants to think more, us to think more highly of others than we ought to think of ourselves. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. I want to give you a very key Bible verse. And the minute I give you this Bible verse, some of you are going to take it and run with it and use it to your own distraction to, <coughs> to throw off and cast off other clear scriptures that do 
have to be obeyed. But we can't really help that. We've just got to preach the word. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 6, it says, Who hath also, speaking of Christ, who hath also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And this is Bible. That's what the Bible says. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Jesus said to Judas, at the feast, what thou doest, do quickly. And Judas went out to betray Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ commanded him to do it. The Bible says if you, that Jesus told us, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus said that thou doest do quickly when Judas was betraying him. So therefore, someone can twist the scriptures and say that Jesus commanded Judas to betray him, and therefore we also must betray Jesus. You say, oh, nobody would be that stupid. Don't you even begin to think that nobody would be that stupid. People are that stupid all the time. That's why we must rightly divide the word of truth. And what happens here is that people take scriptures like this one, a precious scripture with a real truth in it that God wants us to get a hold of, and they take this and they'll rest it from his place, and then they'll do the outward form of the scripture and leave the inner form out. And they'll have the letter without the spirit, and both must be obeyed. I do not believe that you should throw out the letter of the law, but rather that the letter must be defined through the spirit and through the other scriptures that give us light and understanding. I hope that's helpful. The Bible is a literal book, but God literally gives literal practical truth to open our eyes to literal practical spirituality. And the spiritual truth in the Bible is greater than the literal truth. Now, if you throw out the literal truth, you will soon have a fake spiritual truth and your spiritual truth will not be bound to anything. So therefore you'll end up in some kind of mysticism far out from the Bible, a wandering star reserved under the darkness as Jude talks about a raging wave of the see, driven about with every wind of doctrine the Bible talks about. So God gives us literal guideposts throughout the Bible. He gives us literal truth and literal statements and literal world words with spiritual meaning and spiritual application that have to be rightly divided and obeyed literally with the spiritual truth placed above the literal, the literal, the literal obedience. The spiritual truth without the literal obedience is a lie, and the literal obedience without the spiritual truth is a lie. Now, as we look at this kiss, this kiss of charity, the, the te- our message today, holy kiss, the question would come up, what kind of a kiss is he talking about? Who should be kissed by who? How often should you kiss the people that you're supposed to kiss? What, and what makes it a real kiss? If you don't, if you get slobber involved, is that a kiss? And if there's no slobber, is it not a kiss? Now, some of you are laughing and some of you think I'm going, ah, you're going too far. No, I'm not. If the Bible says to do it, you better find out what it means by it. And one of the things that I'm showing to you today is that the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. God didn't line out all the raw details about how much contact is involved in this. He's going to give a principle, and the principle has a spiritual truth that you need and that I need. But a lot of times we get lost in this thing. Are you supposed to kiss on the lips? Are you supposed to kiss on the cheeks? Should men kiss the ladies or ladies kiss the men? Should the boys kiss the girls and the girls kiss the boys? Listen. 
The Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. So now we've already got a limiter right there. And then you've got this whole sodomite crowd that comes in and steals verses like this and makes them so makes such sick applications that it makes your face color to even think about it and, and just makes the blood rush up to your face. Go to Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 1. Let's look at another verse here. And then we're going to talk a little bit about culture. Now, this almost burns me off to even hear people start talking about culture, but it's a real thing and you got to do it. Problem is today we have culturalized away the Bible. That's wrong. But we do have to understand the culture the Bible was written in in order to rightly divide the word of truth. Roman, or Song of Solomon 8 and verse 1. Here the beloved says to her lover, Oh, that thou wert as my brother that sucked the breasts of my mother. When I should find thee without, I would kiss thee. Yea, I should not be despised. So this is talking about a sister's kiss of a brother. She loves her lover, but the love that she's talking about and the desire that she's talking about to her lover is not a sexual love. And this is where people have twisted Song of Solomon and made it like the, whatever it is, the Indian book of sexuality out there. And they think that Song of Solomon is all about um, how to perform the act. And that is a twisting and arresting of scriptures to destruction has nothing to do with it. Uh, Verse two, I would lead thee and bring thee into my mother's house who would instruct me. I would cause thee to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. If she's getting instruction from her mother, what she's getting there is how to take care of him, how to pamper him, how to treat him nicely and serve him, how to make things for him to eat, etc. So this is not a sensual love this is talking about. It says his left hand should be under my head and his right hand should embrace me. And that is not a sensual statement. That is a statement that here is given in in the context as being possible between a brother and a sister that would not elicit any kind of wrong reaction from the public in a normal society that's not been twisted and perverted. This is not talking about incestual relations. So this here is a sister kissing a brother without, and the whole town knowing it's a sister and a brother, and the whole thing being on such an up and up that nobody even thinks the least bit wrong about it. Something that can be done publicly and openly with propriety without eliciting any kind of false desires or sensuality. Now, there was a sister kissing a brother, so some people could take that, but again, the Bible says it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, so there are limits. Even back in the Bible here, she says... I wish you were my brother. Talking about the son of my mother who sucked the breasts of my mother, she says. So one who was nursed by my own mother. That's talking about a filial family tie, not a spiritual family tie. And so that kiss then would be within the family. Even back in the Bible, not everybody kissed everybody. There's a lot of cultures today that still practice the greeting of a kiss. Many Mideastern cultures, where the Bible comes from, by the way, the Middle East, many Mideastern cultures um, still practice this today. Some European cultures 
still practice this today. If I understand it right, Russia still practices this today to a degree. And what is usually done is that the men, when they come up, will offer each other either a handshake and brush their cheeks and make a kiss sound as their cheeks touch. Or perhaps if they're really close family, they may actually touch their neighbor's cheek with their lips, but it's just a gentle touch of the cheeks and a, and a sound as a kiss and an expression of love. This is basically a hug, a, a not even a total embrace, and then the kiss in the air. Men would greet men this way. Women would greet th- women this way formally with propriety and respect of people's personal space and no infringement of personal intimacy. You say, this is embarrassing. Sorry, it's in the Bible. And you and listen, you do need to know this. You need to get this because people will twist this stuff and and use it to their own destruction and to try and destroy you. And you need to understand Bible culture. You need to understand the culture that this was written in. And by the way, God understands culture. Do you know that whenever God came to visit Abraham and he stood without and Abraham saw him and he says, let me, I pray thee, go and fetch a kid or a, or a calf. I can't remember what he said. Did you know that God let Abraham entertain him according to Abraham's culture and that God went along with it? Do you realize that culture is a real thing? Now, culture must never defy the Bible. Any culture, for example, in some Native American cultures, if you follow the traditional religion, you will turn your daughter over to the witch doctor to bring her into to make her of age. That is wicked. It's a sin against almighty God. I don't care if it's culture or not. It's sin. You get rid of that trash. But if it's not sin, culture is real and culture is important. There's nothing wrong with culture. God allows culture and God allows for traditions and family traditions. And God honors those that maintain their family traditions that are not sin. Cultural traditions are not wrong. And God understands culture and God put culture, allowed culture in the Bible And God interacted with people in a way that they understood in their culture. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let's look at a verse here that is used. This is more of just a Bible teaching. Not really sure um, how well this is going to go today, to be honest with you. There's stuff here I wish I could bring out that I just feel completely incapable to bring out. Please pray for me that God will make this useful and not a waste of time and that I'll bring out his word today. Father, please do that in Jesus' name. 1 Samuel chapter 20, here is a verse that is used today in our um, sodomite crowd. This verse is twisted and perverted. I hate to even tell you that because I don't want you to see it that way. Here's a man named Jonathan, and Jonathan was a mighty man of war. He was a man of valor. There was nothing effeminate about him. Jonathan was a married man with a family. He had a wife that he loved and that he consummated his marriage with and conceived seed with and they had children and they loved each other. But this warrior man had a friend and his name was David. And David was a warrior man. He was a youth. He was of a ruddy countenance, the Bible says. He was a good looking young man and all the ladies thought real highly of David and everybody wanted, all the ladies wanted to be David's wife. David was a man's man. We find that David had lady problems throughout his career and it's 
And we never find that he had any kind of sodomite tendencies anywhere in the Bible. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. He got in trouble with the ladies. When he repented and got right with God, God restored him, though God punished him, and it cost him. It cost him whenever he got out of sorts with God. But here in chapter 20 of of 1 Samuel in verse 35, it says here, And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. Now, Jonathan loved David as his own soul, the Bible said. Jonathan saw in David what he had seen in his dad, Saul, when God had first moved upon Saul and anointed Saul. But God had moved off of Saul and chosen David and anointed David to be king instead of Saul. And Jonathan recognized that he could see the anointing of God on David and he loved David as his own soul. And so he gave David his royal clothing and he gave David his weapons and he honored David in that way, giving him that clothing. And the Bible says that they became wonderful friends. They loved each other as great friends. And it says exceeding the love of women. That does not mean that they loved each other in a sensual way. That is what the love of women is. Whenever it differentiates in that way, the romantic love of women that the Bible talks about is the love that is a sensual love that has a rightful place between a man and a woman within the confines of marriage, one man and one woman married for life. And that love that a man would have for his wife is not the love that Jonathan and David had one for another. The Bible's clear that their friendship love, their brotherly love exceeded the love of women. It was greater than a sensual love. It was greater than that passion. It was a selfless love. It was a brotherly love. It was a love of two warriors that they had one for another who fought the battles of the Lord and who were men's men and who loved the Lord their God. The Bible says here in 1 Samuel 20 that Jonathan came out to warn David that his dad was going to kill David. And verse 41 says, And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. This kiss is that kiss of charity. This kiss is that kiss of a brother kissing a brother in a godly way where they come up and embrace with a hug and they brush their cheeks. Perhaps he kissed him on the cheek, but he kissed, they kissed one another there in this way as brothers kissed brothers and wept one with another until David exceeded, until David completely ran out of strength to weep. David did everything that he had with his whole heart. And it says here until David exceeded, speaking of David, weeping until he ran out of strength to weep. Those that would twist this scripture will have to answer to God. I'm not even going to get into all of that. I don't even want to pervert your pure minds with those lies that are being told here, but I do want you to know the truth that here you have two brothers in the Lord, two warriors in the battle, two men of God who loved each other. Jonathan had defeated the Philistine army with none but his armor bearer going with him. David had slain the Philistine of Gath, and with just a stone and a sling, these two great mighty men of God loved one another, but because of the treachery of a backslidden carnal Christian in type, a backslidden fleshly man that wanted to kill David, their fellowship was ended and David was having to run for his life. And here they were 
weeping together as they parted ways. This is the kiss of charity that the Bible talks about. This kiss is a formal greeting of friendship and fellowship. It is also a filial greeting between family members. In the Ozarks, in this part of the United States of America, we do not have any kind of greeting that involves a kiss other than amongst filial bonds. Now, that means family bonds, by the way, between a man and his wife and his children directly, possibly grandparents, and it goes and it runs out pretty quick. It doesn't extend very far into cousins or anything else. It's pretty much limited to families in this area. By the way, if you come from a culture where you where men are used to kissing one another on the cheek as a greeting and you walk into the Ozarks and walk up to the mechanic and you need him to do work on your car and you give him a kiss on the cheek, you might not have a mechanic and you might not have a few teeth. It's just different here. Now, you could say, well, that's wicked and that's wrong. We're going to move on. We're going to read the Bible and, say what the, and see what the Bible says. But here in the Ozarks, there is no kiss of charity. There's a handshake of charity. And you would say, well, God won't accept that. We'll, we might touch that later. We might not. But we're going to leave that one in the hands of God. I'm telling you, you try and do that here, you'll probably lose your teeth. And if you come here and try and kiss somebody's wife, you're really going to lose some teeth. You say, the servant of the Lord must not strive. A lot of the Ozarkians didn't notice that verse. I'm sorry, they just didn't notice it. And they're probably going to knock your teeth down your throat if you go kissing their wife. And that's just the reality. And if you don't like it and try and prove to them that they're wrong by kissing their wife, they'll probably not listen. And you'll probably get to swallow your teeth. So now we're just going to move on. The command here is not, God is not commanding, you got to go around smooching everybody. He's not commanding sensuality. He's not commanding, commanding licentiousness. He's not commanding wickedness. What he's commanding is a holy bond of fellowship that includes the ability to touch one another as brethren. Again, even in the Bible times, the women would give this kiss of charity to the women and the men would give this kiss of charity to the men. Now this may really break out when a woman gets really old and just starts kissing everybody. And even in the Ozarks, that happens. Sometimes a woman hits her eighties and her nineties and she's so full of God and the love of God and her heart's overflowing with love for everybody that people come in the church and she just grabs them and gives them a smooch. And you know what? Nobody says boo about it. Nobody really cares about it. And That's the general idea being given here, though. So we want to look at three parts of this text here. First of all, greet all. Greet all. He starts out this whole thing with greet all. And this deals with respect to persons. Again, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And I'll guarantee you, if you want to try and exercise the letter of this command, it might kill you in this area. That's a joke. Nobody's laughing. Okay, we'll move on. Greet all, James chapter 2, James chapter 2 and verse 1, here he said he speaks of respect of persons. Here in the Bible, you're not supposed to greet the rich man in your church really any different than you're supposed to greet the poor man. There, we will touch on honor here in just a minute. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is, to do, is due. You say, I don't like this kind of preaching. I want to get on to the fun stuff. Sorry, it's where we're at and we're just going through the Bible. 
You say, I wanted some kind of big smoke and mirrors and fog. You ain't going to get it here. This is just Bible time. We're just going verse by verse, and this is the verse we're at, and we're going to do the best we can with it for God's glory and the advancement of his gospel. And you say, how does the gospel tie in? We'll get there. James chapter 2 and verse 1 says that my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Here the Bible says, if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin. If you go to church and you want to greet someone that's rich, but you don't want to greet someone who's poor, you're a respecter of persons. You are giving people honor that is not their due. You're honoring them based on their wealth. Now this could go many ways. You could honor somebody based on their political influence, based on their family name. And it happens all the time, and it's sin, and God condemns it. So here in the Bible, in First. Thessalonians 5 and verse 26, he says, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. You're going to kiss one of them. You better kiss all of them. So whatever you do, make sure you're, you're willing to do it. Oh, it's easy to kiss that beautiful person that you love and respect and honor. But what about that ugly, dirty, smelly person that you don't want to have anything to do with? Whatever you're going to do, you better do it equally with equity across the church and not be a respecter of persons. There is no room for cliques and schisms in the church of God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. There is a difference between respect of persons and honor. And he here, the family relationship between the husband and the wife is exalted, and the husband is to honor the wife. That means she gets a husbandly kiss instead of just a kiss of charity in context of our study today. And you, we'll see more of that, Lord willing, if we get there, if I didn't already pass it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I did pass it up. That's where it says, let the husband render to the wife due benevolence and the wife to the husband. That means a wife's supposed to kiss a husband like he's her husband, and the husband's supposed to kiss the wife like she's a wife. And they ain't supposed to be limited to the holy kiss. They're supposed to have a different level of holy kiss, and they're supposed to have a degree of touching and a degree of affection that is limited to that family bound. All these crazy cults out here with their complex marriage and polygamy are an offense to God. It's a sin in the sight of God. God created male and female, and he gave one man, one woman, and Jesus said in the beginning, it was not so regarding putting away a wife, that is divorce. He said, but God made them male and female, what they're for God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So it's God's will for one man to marry one woman till death do us part. And that relationship is supposed to have a different physical touch than the relationship of those around you. That should be basic. 
Unfortunately, in this day and age, in this culture, it has to be said. Listen to me. Here's, here's a good definition for you for fornication. Fornication is treating a woman or a man like you're married to them when you're not. That's what fornication is. And you go around, listen to me today, you go around smooching on somebody you're not married to, and you're probably already in the act of fornication. You just haven't it taken it all the way to the full consummation. Keep your hands and your lips to yourself. Keep your bodies to yourself. There's a physical touch that should be shared only between a man and his wife. And then there's that touch of that sister we read about in Psalm, in Song of Solomon 8.1. A sister can run up to her brother and give him a peck on the cheek, and God's got no problem with it. She should not be despised, but even in Bible culture and in Bible days, a young lady go up and kiss a young man she ain't married to, and she'd be considered a harlot. Do you hear me today? Now, that's going to burn some people out there, but it's true. You think, oh, just let them kiss. Let them experiment. Let them play around. That's wrong. That's a sin. You keep your hands to yourself. Keep your lips to yourself. Keep your bodies to yourself, except it be the holy kiss, which, by the way, in these parts is generally limited to a handshake. You say, that's extra biblical. I don't know if we'll get to that or not, and we'll actually be able to deal with it. Don't know how this is going to go today. We're just going to do our best. So he says, greet all the brethren. Go to 1 Peter um, chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. So there's an honor that should come to all men. There's an honor that should be given to a wife. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So then there is an honor that is for a meritorious achievement. This does not get you credit with God, but it gets you credit with men. You say, well, that's it's respect of persons to let the pastor dominate the service and run things. That's absolutely a lie out of hell. The Bible says to let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. And there is an honor that goes with a position. There's an honor here. He says, fear the king. He didn't tell you to fear the queen. He told you to fear the king. That's a, we could preach a whole message on that one, couldn't we? He says, fear the king. There's an honor that goes with position. There's an honor that goes with authority. There's an honor that goes with jurisdiction. There's an honor that goes with faithful service. There is an honor that can only be earned. And that honor should be showed from man to man, from house to house, and in the church of God. That's not respect to persons. Now, it could be. Beware lest you let it slide into respect to persons. But if it's done biblically, it is not respect to persons. That honor is a real thing. Uh, my pastor, Reggie, has a picture he put up once of two dogs, and one of them showing honor to the other dog. The one dog has just smelled the covey of quail and he's pointing and ready and the hunter's ready to go and get those birds and the other dog freezes and shows honor. You need to honor those that are in authority. Honor the elders of the church. Honor those that have jurisdiction in the church. Honor the pastor in the church, not with the respect of persons. There should be no respect of persons. You do not give him a special place in your heart above others as if he is of more value because he is not of more value. 
We are all of equal value. We are all brethren. That brings us to the second part there. Greet all the brethren. Now, we've talked much about the brethren, and we'll continue to talk much more about the brethren as we study the Word of God, because God has a lot to say about the brethren. The Bible calls the church of God the household of faith. He talks about the family of God. He calls Jesus Christ the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus said, call no man master upon earth, for one is your master, even God. He says, "Um, call no man father on earth for one is your father even God in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6 it says Christ as a son over his own house Christ is over the household though he be the son of God which doesn't make sense if he's only the son by the way that's his deity and his manhood in one right there the church of the firstborn it's called in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23 Jesus Christ being called the firstborn of every creature not firstborn in his deity but firstborn in his humanity 2,000 and some years ago in Bethlehem. So all ye are brethren, and we have the family of God, but we're also part of a physical family. You see, God made one man and he made one woman, Adam and Eve, and they had children and their children went on down throughout the ages uh, or out throughout the years until God destroyed the earth with a flood. And then Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They had three daughters from who knows where. Their, their lineage isn't listed. God knows. But, but from those three sons and three women came every other person alive on the face of the earth. So we are all today related. The black man is related to the yellow man. The yellow man is related to the brown man. The brown man's related to the white man. The white man's related to the purple man. I did see a purple man one day. I can't remember what had happened. He'd gotten exposed to some chemicals and had a reaction and his skin had been nearly permanently turned purple. It was a strange sight to see, and he was stuck that way for a while, and that was quite a deal. But regardless of your skin color, God has made us all one blood and one nation and one race. And this is why the kiss was a normal greeting for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and still is in many places on the earth because we are all related to one another. And it is a reminder that we are all related genetically to each other. I am related... Oh, here you go. Who are you related to? Famous people you're related to. Well, I'm related to all of them. I'm related to Stalin. I'm related to Lenin. I'm related to... um, I'm related to Putin, to give you some Russians... Not in any way I can trace, but I'm related to him. I'm related to Queen Elizabeth of England. I'm related to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel of Spain. I'm related to the Queen of Sheba from Ethiopia. I'm related to the Aborigine in Australia. I'm related to everybody, high and low, rich and poor, on the face of the earth by a distant relation. But more than that, we're related if we're saved in the family of God, adopted out of the family of this world. The Bible calls us children of wrath by nature, children of disobedience. Though Jesus told some religious people, you are of your father, the devil and his works do you do. When you're born again by the power of God, that new man inside of you is now related to God. And then all of us are brethren in God. And that family affection and that family bond between the brethren should be more real than your physical bond to your own family members on this earth. 
however distant or however near they are, and it is more real. You say, no, 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 my son is a closer relation than the pastor at church. That's actually not true. If you're both born again, then you are one in God. Yeah, I know it gets confusing, but it doesn't have to be. You just believe the Bible. You're one in God. Yes, genetically, you're closer related to your son. Yes, your son has filial rights and you have fatherly rights that the pastor doesn't have. And that family bond is a real thing in the Bible and must be held up in high esteem. God created the family. But we must understand that the spiritual family of God supersedes and transcends the physical family. So he says, greet all the brethren. Greet all the brethren because they are all part of the family of God. And that family is a family that's tied together by the blood of Jesus, not the blood of Noah, not the blood of Adam, the blood of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that that ties us together. Now he says to greet them with a holy kiss. Now the kiss there being the action is as we've discussed, debatable as to how to actually execute it. So whenever you get into this with foot washing, with the kiss, with many other things in the Bible, by the way, there's several things in the Bible that you could get into and you can make a mountain out of a molehill and you can strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. And you would do that if you focus on the word kiss instead of the word holy. The more important of the two words here is holy. It does not negate the physical word kiss. But it does quantify it and qualify it. And without the holy, nothing else is any good. You can kiss and it not be holy. How many of you knew that already? Okay, we got that one down. So here, some people will take, some people take all kinds of things in the Bible. They'll take the verse where it says, not the plating of the hair, the broiding of the hair. And they'll say a woman should never have a braid in her hair. And they will disfellowship over braids in the hair because of the way they see the application of the physical aspect of that verse. If you're not careful, you're going to end up in legalism and you're going to exclude yourself from the body of Christ. And you will, and listen, get, the, get this, you will not be greeting all the brethren anymore because you're a kisser. How about that? Well, I'm going to greet people with a holy kiss and they won't greet me. So I'm not going to go up to that church because they don't practice the holy kiss. And you're so worried about the kiss that you're not greeting all the brethren anymore. And you look at how many words we've got here. Listen, I don't want to culturalize away the Bible. I don't want to contextualize away the Bible. That's sin. But we do have to rightly divide this. Here we have, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Eight words. One of those words is a physical action. Seven of those words come before you get to that last word. And if you disfellowship over your particular preference of how to implement this verse, you could be breaking seven words to try and keep one. That's right. The kiss here is the physical display of affection. In many places in the world, a handshake is substituted. I've heard that if you greet an Arab person in the Middle East with a handshake, you could offend them mortally if you use the wrong hand. Okay? Different cultures have some different things that they do. That does not excuse them from obeying the Bible. Like we talked about yesterday, just because Germans culturally are used to drinking lots of liquor doesn't mean that it's right. 
God is still true. And it says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Whether you're French or German or Spanish or Indonesian or anything else on the face of the earth, God's word still applies. But there is an under God does address culture and he does allow culture. And you have to factor that in whenever you're rightly dividing the word of truth or you will get off in a ditch. Holiness here deals with the heart condition. And we, we want to look at that here today. I want you to think about someone that comes up at church and, and they give a hug to the pastor and kiss him on the cheek and say, thank you, pastor, for being such a good pastor. But they've been sitting at home gossiping about him to everybody that will listen to them, telling them how stupid he is and how dumb his decisions are. Is that a holy kiss? Are you with me today? Is anybody still with me? Is that a holy kiss? That is not a holy kiss. Gossip, slander, malignity, backbiting, hatred, deceit, and lies, and a kiss. Go to Psalm chapter 55. Some of you probably know where we're going already. Just hang on. Psalm 55. Let's look at Psalm 59 first. Psalm 59 and verse 12. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. Psalm 55 and verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Go to Psalm 52. And verse 1, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. You ever been stabbed in the back by somebody that would kiss you in public and cut you in private? Psalm 41 and verse 5, Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? They speak evil of me. Psalms 28 and verse 3, The Bible says, Better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy in the book of Proverbs. Psalm 28 and verse 3, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Go back to Psalm 64 and verse 2. It says, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. It goes on there with much that has to say about that. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 47. <clears throat> and while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Go to Romans chapter 16 again, and we'll um, probably wrap up right here. Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Here Judas is betraying Jesus Christ with a kiss. The Bible says that this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. If you have to choose between the two, it's better to have the heart right than to have the action right. Many people today 
take the wafer in the Catholic churches, they call it the host, and they adore that wafer and they put it to their lips. They kiss the little idols that are brought around and they say they love the Lord, but their heart is far from Him. Here in Romans 16 and verse 16, he says, Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, and simple concerning evil. God here wants us to be wise concerning that which is good. I want you to think about some other commands in the Bible as we close here. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's some commands in the Bible that cannot be, that do not have the least bit of wiggle room on them. Repent is one of them. We are commanded to repent. The Bible says in Acts, I believe 17, Paul speaking to the Gentile world of lost people says, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There are some commands that have absolutely no wiggle room in the Bible. Let not fornication once be named among you, things like that in the Bible. Jesus also commanded us to, for that every man that would follow him must take up his cross daily. How many denominations have you come across that require that every one of their members pick up a wooden cross and carry it with them throughout their day? Isn't that interesting? Jesus also said, except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no part of me. The Catholic Church has a masquerade of this that is nothing but idolatry and blasphemy and a total reproach and abomination to God and offense to the Almighty and a devil worship um, orgy is all it is. But aside from that, nobody out there really says you've got to eat the flesh of Jesus. They understand that Jesus said, what did he say right there in that passage? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh profiteth nothing, he said. And you can kiss everybody in your church and not love them at all. Or you can love them all and greet them in the spirit of this greeting and fulfill this commandment. You must rightly divide the word of truth. You can go and cause schisms and offenses and separate and exclude yourself over what you think to be the right way to do this physical activity. Or you can obey the spirit of this law. By the way, the gospel works that way. There's lots of things in the gospel that if you want to take them out of their context and deny the spiritual truth of them, you'll never be saved. You must be born again. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Does it not? It says, call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. But if you call on the name of the Lord without believing in your heart, does it do you any good? No. And if you call on the name of the Lord in your heart, can you be saved if it doesn't come out your literal lips? Somebody might say no, but I would say yes. From the rest of Scripture, you take a man whose mouth has been ruined and destroyed, and he's laying there on a ventilator in his hospital bed about to die, his face torn apart in a bad accident, and he trusts in Jesus Christ and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and calls on him in his heart, he will be saved.
So the message here today of the holy kiss is that you should have no respect of persons, that you should come to church with a holy heart, a pure heart, that you should love one another fervently, that you should see one another as family, that you should greet one another in the love of the Lord, esteeming others better than yourself, and that you should look not on your own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's obey the spirit of the law, and then as much as we possibly can, let's obey the letter of the law as it is applied by the Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you take this little teaching. Lord, I feel like I've just barely even touched the things that you would use. And Lord, I feel very powerless. And Lord, I just ask you to help and use this in spite of me. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless those that hear this message. And Lord, that it would help some people. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to love one another with pure hearts fervently and to greet all the brethren, Lord, with a holy kiss. In Jesus' name, amen.